Welcome to the Black Boy Joy Show. It's me, RV Willis. And today I'm here with our LGBTQ activist, Boomer Woods, is with us. Uh, writer and producer, Devin Forbes, is with us today. And best-selling author, Byron Jamal, is with us. You guys say hi. How you doing? Doing all right? What would you got, What you guys sipping on today? What you guys sipping on today? Uh, I'm drinking a lovely 211. Uh, <laughs> that is still reserved. Um, it's Friday. I'm about somewhere. Four loco in the house. I see. <laughs> 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 I have to. Right. <laughs> right. What about you, Byron? What you? Uh, Right. And look, I have my I have Sprite today. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, I should have I know. I know, but it's been a it's been a crazy weekend already. It's just Saturday, so. <laughs> Where Boomer go? Boomer, what you on? Oh, he done ran off. So, um Yeah, he done ran off somewhere. So, today, you guys ready for a little bit of uh history of a black boy? So today I have John Amachi. John Amachi was born November 26, 1970 in Boston, Massachusetts. He played basketball at Vanderbilt and Penn State before professional basketball with the NBA. After leaving the league, he played basketball in France, Italy, Greece, and the United Kingdom. In 2007, he became the first former NBA player to publicly come out as gay in his memoir, Man in the Middle. He is regarded as one of the most, one of the world's most high-profile gay athletes. Learn him and embrace his star power, John Amachi. You guys know who that is? I've never heard of him. Really? <laughs> but he sounds like he has great credit. He is. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> he probably does, but. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he for him to be like the first to come out in the especially in the NBA, um, you know, that that is like a trailblazer for a lot of people trying to um, that both the NBA and the NFL and the, you know, the uh, baseball league, they all have so many people in there. And um, if the percentage of people is every one out of five is gay, then there's probably a lot of gay people in those leagues. So, <laughs> you know. Now, See, <laughs> my goodness! Oh, there we go, Boomer. What are you drinking on? I am drinking. It's a brandy. Oh yes. Oh, see. Oh, right. With the real lemons too. Ain't no little lemon juice. Nothing. Actual lemons. <laughs> right. So, so. Mm-hmm. Right, freshly stocked, honey. You see. So, so mm-hmm. So, Byron, tell us um about uh, about your uh, your book, your new project that you have coming up. Absolutely. So, I have a new book. It's really for everybody. It's uh, a straight up basic clients that I've worked with. And I tell the stories, their stories, in each of the phases of love. I say there are six phases to love. Um, from singleness, dating, you have relationships, mm. engagement, marriage, and divorce. Mm. And in each of those phases, you can actually do this in course. Um, how you do each one, especially as you move up in the phases, how you do the first one from singleness impacts how you would do in marriage. It how, it's how you would do in a relationship. It's how you do in dating. So everything goes back to phase one. Um, and so it's called Successful Love, Navigating Six Phases of Love's Journey. I do feel like love is a journey. I think a lot of us do consider uh, where we reach a certain phase. Mm-hmm. Like let's say we get a relationship. We feel like we achieve something. And a lot of times when you achieve, you stop working. Uh, the real goal of a relationship is to keep phasing through it, to keep journeying through it, to keep learning through it, to keep discovering. And so it's never a, a destination. It's always a journey. Mm, awesome. Very, very true. So 
Have you ever thought about making your book into a movie or a TV show? You know how you know how um, Steve Harvey turned his book "Think Like a Man" into a movie, and you know. So, have you ever thought about about, about that for your book? That was a thought. That, that's something I, I could definitely do. You know, I, I've written a fiction book, so I definitely can visually etch that out. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Especially multiple characters going through the different phases and dealing with that. I mean, divorce by itself is one of the leading ones that a lot of people in our society, especially during quarantine, we heard that divorce rates are up. A lot of people are experiencing that, but, you know, it's interesting with me. People like to say divorce is when you are married. It's actually not true. Divorce is when you have a breakup because the same emotional currency that's used in a divorce to married people is actually used when you break up with somebody in a relationship. It's the same mental energy. It's the same healing that's required. There's nothing different. All psychologists and psychiatrists say that. So divorce is just letting go. And for a lot of us, we have been in those places. And many of us are still healing and haven't really gotten through the phase mentally. Mm, I see. So having, um, Devin, having, um, being a producer and writer, do you find that um, getting a script to these production companies with black or gay characters in it, is it hard or difficult for them to see your vision because of the, because of the gay, because of the homosexuality or because of the African-American aspect of the show, of the script? Solely concentrate on LGBT characters. I mean, we have writers that like focus on straight or or like I I specifically want to shine a light on our color. And uh, so, but I I have have tried to uh, get scripts out to other production companies. I can't say any names. But to me, I uh, I was told my feedback from this specific company. Uh, that I wanted to turn my script into was that it was not enough sex or it was not, uh, uh, it's too much dialogue, it's, it's too much thinking. It's, we don't want to give that much to the people and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, so they wanted to cut, they tried to simmer my skills mm. so I can, the dilute me so I can, you know, cater to the sexual side of the gaze. Mm. And I, that's, that's what I don't want to do. So fortunately, I got with Wes, Wesley Anderson with A Connection TV. He allowed me to be friendly. Mm. He just said, just do whatever you want with it. Let's cast for blah, blah, blah. I mean, as you can see, I yeah. don't focus on sex at all. It really I does can, it. Yeah, I can, I can, we can talk about sex and mention it, but we are not. We don't have to show this other dialogue I can put in there to fill in. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about other things. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, what do you, um, what do you guys think we should do to ensure that our stories are getting told? Like a lot of the stories that we have, how do we ensure that these stories are being told and people are not forgetting about the people who, you know, our, our culture, our community? How do we, how do we get um, people to, uh, to... Go ahead, brother. Oh, you came in and out, so I think what I got from that mm-hmm. was how do we get, how do we get uh, tell our stories without well, well, try to. How do we ensure that our stories are being told? Gotcha. Um, me specifically, I'm not an author, so mm. <laughs> that, that's another field right there. <laughs> but uh, speaking for me uh, specifically, I just think if I keep true to myself and like really just land on me, just hone in on my art, everything else will fall into place. I mean, that's honestly. I mean, it sounds generic, but mm. it's honestly how I keep intact. Right. With my art. Okay. All right. How about you, Byron? How about? Uh, for me, you have to tell the stories of the characters that speak most to you. Uh, I think anything else is fraudulent. So, if you are not, if your characters are over-sexualized and that's not what you should write, uh, I think you will always come out with less food when you lie. That's just the reality, right? Mm. So, I go back to characters, or even writers that I look up to, like James Baldwin, uh, mm. Ralph Waldo, and uh, Lakes and Hermes, that they were able to tell stories and keep our culture alive in their own way without having to make everything sexual. Yeah. I feel the only reason we beat sex is because we don't want to think. And when we don't want to think, 
will turn to things that are easy, like drugs, alcohol, and sex, money, because those things are a part of you naturally. And they're so a part of you, it's like breathing. And so you do them so effortlessly. Have you ever just tried to breathe and think about breathing? Mm. No. People call that meditation. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? When you do that, it actually changes your mind about what you're actually doing. All right? I'm good. (laughs) It's so ordinary until you make it something unique. And that comes Right. I like that that output. Mm-hmm. Boomer, how about you? You quiet over there. And they're just doing it. And yeah. until you cognitively, sorry for that, emotionally think about it, it doesn't really become special. And so we have a lot of people in our culture who choose to, to choose to make it, choose their art to be the thing that is easy. It's the thing that is most basic and common. And I think we just need to have art that is so real, the things that you have to think a little bit about that's your mark. Mm-hmm. Well said. Very well said. How about you, Boomer? I think the way that our stories are meant to get so that our stories are meant to You know, we can tell one person our story or we can have our story put on one platform and someone be okay with that or think that that's going to push it to the limit when you have to protect your story that you want to be told you have to put everyone. Sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable. Um, and I, I recognize that when I did Outrun the Sky um, mm-hmm. like a lot of people they they were like, yeah, I want to see that. And they were coming to see it. But I was more worried about church members that I wanted to see it. But the, my truth and certain and certain language that was in the movie, I was like, I don't know if they're ready to see this. And I, I still pushed it to, to the church. And they actually, you know, they loved it. And they accepted it. Um, that, that's how you, you put your story out there. You have to put it in the faces where you think they, they may not accept it. Yeah. Because like they always say, no question is a dumb question, or you know, no, you only miss a shot that you don't take. It, that, that's how I've been. If I don't just get permission, it was the worst that could happen. But no. Right. And you know, sometimes those no's, a thousand no's turn into one yes. <laughs> Very true. So we we definitely have to. I mean, especially you know. The men like us and this format and this um, platform that I'm trying to create here, it, this is the place where we can tell our stories and preserve our stories. So um, I just I, I want to make sure that we don't get forgotten. You know what I mean? Um, a, a lot of our art that we have, that we do, we, we create so many different things and we sometimes we just don't get the credit for it. So I want to make sure that we um, don't get lost in that a hundred years from now when they're talking about our culture from this time that they just don't forget about us, you know? So, so what else, um, is going, so what do you think about, um, how the media portrays gays and African-Americans in their movies, in their television shows? What are your thoughts on how we're portrayed in, in media? having us as slaves or just like a funny person like it's more dimensions now um it's not it's not just one person that can get the role it's roles for many people it's not it's like Tyler Perry out there doing big things um I think we still have a long way to go but I mean I feel I think we communicate a long way as in itself so um that's my thoughts on that yeah someone said the other day about um Patrick Ian Polk and uh Noah's Ark yeah I love him and they were talking about, you know, being able to see those types of characters on TV. Um, and we were even talking about the whole uh, having feminine men with masculine men and the way that they show that on TV um, was just phenomenal. So, yeah, Patrick and Polk is like one of my favorites. I love him. 
I love him. Um, I, yeah. I still have a long way to go as far as stereotypes. Um, look at us, we're average, everyday black men who are just don't happen to be men with HIV. The way they portray us on TV still is either you're masculine or you're feminine. Yeah. Right? They, they over masculate gay men and then they over feminize gay men. There are this regular who live an everyday life. They're not trying to hide, they just, the way they were raised, it's just how I was raised to be a black man. Nobody mm. doesn't have anything to do with the way I act, the way I dress. And they, you know, yeah, they still kind of put that stigma as, oh, this is how you can identify a that, That's basically how I feel. They, mm. they make gay men identifiable on TV, and every, every man that's gay is not Exactly, exactly. So we need more, so the characters, need to be more diverse. Even when we're writing, even even coming from black writers, like instead of, you know, perpetuating the stereotype of a black gay character, the writers need to have, be more diverse with the, creating the characters and be fearless at writing the character differently than what the stereotype is. successful black couples on TV. Like I can't, you rarely see that. It's like, is that too much to ask for? Exactly, exactly. Exactly, but we still we still have to do. It. Remember, remember when they didn't think that black people were rich until Bill Cosby put a put a show on. So until they start until they start showing you know diverse black gay couples on TV and in movies, no, no if no one does it, then they're just gonna act like we don't even exist. Like like we we're just all out here single. We don't have no none of us have partners and have a, like a, a normal life. But it's like if we don't show it, if we don't push to have it shown then they'll just be like well this is this is i'm this is the character that i'm writing and this is how i'm going to write the character because i don't see any other way to write the character because this is the only thing that we have out here is this you know it's it's interesting that we're asking the community Mm -hmm. outside of us to portray us in diverse ways and we won't even do it for ourselves (laughs) Uh, when i watch when i watch signal 23 or uh, other shows, uh, channels that are gay-centric, black gay-centric, we adhere to the same stereotypes. And so, you know, every man, chasing, was it chasing reality? Yeah. Mm. reflect the mm. same uh, demographic yeah. of effeminate gay male who's messy and has a lot of drama going on in their mm. lives. Uh, that has a fake sense of success and you know what? <laughs> They're like crabs in a, in a small, small bucket. Right. And, and, and that, is what we, that is the image we're portraying. And yet we have such powerful people in our community, <laughs> black men and women who are gay, who are in powerful positions. I mean, it's from, from the government to entertainment. <laughs> To, uh-huh. to help I mean, like all kinds of people and all we're showing are the, the people who get dragged and, and that's that's what they think we are yeah. and, and things like that and so if we don't show a different perception of ourselves I, I, I can never ever judge a community outside of me who doesn't really understand me mm. to try to do that mm. Say that. That is, you know what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. I thought he was gay for the longest, but he plays the role so well. It's like, you know, that 
the image of this man that I'm going to speak of is what I would love to see for a gay or actor, the actress. Rockman Dunbar. Oh. I thought I he was gay for a very long time because of some of the roles that he's played, but also just the fact that in his everyday real life, his comfort and sexuality, and he has friends of the community that are LGBT plus, and he's not ashamed of anything. Um, you know, just like Tank, when Tank came out and started speaking of, you know, certain sexual things that he likes with women, but just because he's a straight male and the things that he likes, they train that they they put that in the box of, oh, that's the gay man, mm-hmm. like that. That's sexuality. That's what you like. That's mm-hmm. not that that that's more effective. Yeah. Just like. What's the other guy's name? Uh, Malik Yelva. Oh. He, he's, he's attracted to trans women, but they back to their spirit, not just them because they're trans women. Maybe he still likes women. If they just be a trans woman, he's not going to exclude them right. because they are brand themselves as a woman. So he doesn't characterize himself as being gay or bisexual. Mm. You know, so it's the type of thing like that I don't So you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to ask you about the it's switching gears here. But um, if that if George Floyd was a gay man that had a police officer put his knee and kill him, do you think that we would have the same outrage that we have? Would, do you think the same outrage, the riots and all that? Do you think it would be the same? so though do you think do you think that the larger gay community if that was a black gay man that that happened to that the larger gay community would Well, he probably did something. 
some kind of way mm. to influence yeah. how that or why it happened. Where's right. the rest of the tape? You know, we gave a lot of leeway for this man's man uh, who has a daughter and all these things. So I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't. I, I really disagree. I think we're giving too much credit to our black counterparts who are straight. I think we're giving too much credit mm-hmm. for their side. That, listen, the amount of violence they have had over the amount of homosexual abuses yeah. in our community for generations. I don't happening just because of this particular black man, if he was an openly black gay man, with everybody knew he was gay. Yeah, but like just like the trainee that just trainee that just got uh, beat up the other day, nobody stood up for her. Yeah. So like that was just like not even a week after George Floyd died, that just took her to a lot, took her to a lot. Yeah. She would have did, but that was her instead. What do you mean by no one stood up? No, no, I was our community stood up, but we didn't see the white people who were physically there at the time. Uh, I, I had a lot of like I had a lot of transgender friends. So I was like, you know, they was like, nobody, you know, it divided the Black Lives Matter at that moment because they were destined to start saying all Black Lives Matter versus just Black Lives Matter. And that's when it was another divide. And it was just like, you know, if she would have got killed instead of George Floyd, I don't think that it would have been as much of an outrage um, because she she got beat up not even a week after that. And it was not, I don't, I don't think it was much of a uproar as it could have been, as it should have been. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Um, someone brought it to my attention. Uh, I'm not going to say the, the club's name, but um, with the Black Lives Matter and this club having such a predominantly black customer base, why they are not supporting or have not spoke up about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so what do you think? <laughs> so what do you think do you think that these these businesses that have a predominantly black clientele should also be standing up for the black or at least make a statement or something about black lives matter I mean You see. Because to go, look, just say this. Okay. If my house was burning and I had a neighbor whose house I went to all the time, and they live right down the street, you can see my house burning, and they don't call, they don't check on me, they don't ask how you're doing, they don't say, I hate that your house burned down. If there is no sense of empathy for the situation I went through, and I've been in your house, and have some people in the room, 
Interesting. I never even thought about it that way, but that is very true because I, I do. I'm, I'm sometimes on the fence about, well, do I continue to support this business or does the, but the business has really never spoke up about me before. So, but I've continued to support the business. So I, I, it's, it's a hard, um, it's one of those things where you're just literally like on the fence, like i I should stop, <laughs> but this is twenty-two. Just like when they were saying Chick Fil A wasn't for the LGBT. I love the shit out of Chick Fil A. Exactly. I was still. <laughs> I literally stopped going to Chick Fil A after that, though. I, <laughs> I was still eating. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't resonate to me as a person because it didn't, it didn't stop me. It, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't directed towards me. It was directed towards unity. Like, you know, even with that, mm. 
myself into that place and find myself also, if it doesn't pertain to me directly, ignore it. That's like somebody you can talk shit about it all day. You can try to spread rumors. Either they don't believe it or they're not. Either you know the truth or you don't. Mm-hmm. If you touch me, I'm good at that. Mm. If you touch me, you put your finger on me, and you make me feel like I'm in danger or I'm harmed, that's when I'm going to black out. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm really going to just like, I go from zero to 100 and everybody's a target. Mm. At that point, right. I'm saying you go off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people don't always advocate or fight for you like you want to advocate or fight for yourself. It's like, I, I, I hate to say this, but I believe that some of these people who are out here looting and rioting, they're just doing it just because they just want to be opportunists to do it. Mm-hmm. Or just want to be Instead of, what's your real purpose of doing this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if it would have been you that would have got killed, would that person that is gone now, would they have been out here doing the same thing? Yeah. So even it's sad to say that, but like everybody fights for someone, but you have to think about with that first, with that person. Yeah. Mm. I'm um, sure. Yeah, and you know this whole cancel culture thing of like Wendy's, um, uh huh, my and I, you know, they, they, I can't believe everybody get canceled from Wendy's to trainer to like every people, people speak out. Uh, about things, well, Wendy's particularly gave they gave the Trump administration money, but like Trina and other people that speak out and they give their raw truth, and then they get canceled right after that. I think Bulldogs might fall into that category where they're like, oh, we want to straddle the line where we don't want to lose too much business, but we don't want to lose, you know, our white counterparts or you know, like help. However, they get the coin to get or whatever, you know, they don't want to lose their white customers. But they don't, I don't know, if I was Bulldogs, I would actually not say anything, too. I mean, when it comes to, when it, and it's only because Bulldogs, specifically Bulldogs, like, when it comes to gay pride and everything, they never up their prices. They never, they never, like, trying to, like, get our money. They just, they're consistently Bulldogs. And that's, that's my only thing with them. Um, mm. I struggle. The only reason I struggle with that is because the bus, the bus transportation system, back when they did the bus riots, um, that was the main mode of transportation for most people to work. So they deeply inconvenienced themselves to go miles out of their way to walk to work at times when they could have convenience themselves just continue to ride the bus. Don't necessarily fight for somebody else. Um, if you're not sure if they're going to fight for you, we would still be slaves. I said, too. They were slaves, we still wanted to be slaves. So if if those people had that mentality like, well, these people want to be slaves, so I'm not going to fight for them to be free. I'm not going to be able to have a list this and risk my life for these people who, who want to sit up here and stay in slavery. We would all still be in change right now. Like all four, all four of us right now mm-hmm. would not have to go. Okay? Right. So there has to be somebody. There has to be somebody. And it can't be everybody saying there will be somebody. Yeah. Can't be everybody saying somebody else will be the person right. who stands up for somebody else. Um, and, and honestly, if you're the bulk part, if you're the one able to have the conversations, it's you. If you are the one who is cognizant, it is you. You are the because not everybody is having these conversations. Not everybody's equal. So the woke people got to be enough to say, I'm carrying the burden of the people who aren't aware. And we don't we don't feel bad for them. We say, you haven't woken up yet, child, and that's okay. Like, I get you sleeping. I was sleeping one time, too. And so mm-hmm. while I'm trying to wake you up, I'm going to wake you up with my change. I'm going to wake you up with my action. I'm going to wake you up with what I'm doing eventually, hopefully, one day. When it snaps in, you might be 40, you might be 50, you might be 60, you might be got your hands down and confused, but at some point, you're going to wake up and you're going to realize. But if nobody carries anybody, everybody stays with you. Yeah, mm. that, is, that is true. That's very true. So, I mean, the, I, I don't, that is, that's all fine and dandy, but it's just when people, the shaming part is like people shaming people who are not standing up or supporting this or, or still supporting this businesses or these businesses that don't stand up for the black lives matter. So it's almost like they're telling you, Oh, 
you have to stand up for because you're black you have to stand up for black lives matter and not go to this business because they're not standing up for black lives matter so it's the it's the whole shaming part like they people i'm like i see it on, on i've been seeing it on facebook for the last three days like everybody has their has their everyone is on one side of the yeah. fence there's some people who are like cancel them the other people there are other people like i'm still gonna go you know what i mean so it, it, it's but it's you know, you can cancel them. I mean, let's be honest, you can't. And to be honest, they have black posters of black models everywhere in there, so it's not like they're like, oh, we don't really. You know, they they like they 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 care for black lives. They, I think they're destroying the lives here very carefully. We'll see. So, um, so Byron, what? Um, There's no way to cancel that, but you can you can make it clear that you don't appreciate it and you can write and letters of legislation uh, yeah. or letters to your to your legislative officials and mm-hmm. you can do those things and mm-hmm. you can put out more information you can make them speak up you can do those things like, I don't think an all out boycott is changing much these days but if you get people who have the conversation and have it clearly who have power to make those kind of changes and are, are in the rooms that they're in then eventually it, it changes, but again, it doesn't really matter if there's half of the us who are saying veto or boycott, and the other half who are saying no. What matters is that we are saying we want change, and we have to agree that change is now, and we have to agree that we're going to do some part. That's why I don't really care who does what and how. Mm-hmm. As long as are doing something. Doing something, exactly, exactly. Somebody will see it. Somebody will affect somebody. Mm-hmm. I need everybody just doing something. And the shame should come if you're not doing anything. Exactly. Doing exactly. And this time, there's a problem. Okay? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what I can't shame somebody for wanting a Chick-fil-A sandwich because they're hungry and that's the closest thing and they don't have transportation and it's next door to their house. Like that, that's stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. Right. I will shame you if I see that you are featuring everybody spending all your money in every place that does not do feature us and haven't said a thing about it. Now that that's that's a different story, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. So Byron, tell me um or tell us what what is your personal heaven? My personal heaven? Yes. Oh, that's a good question. I like that. My personal heaven looks like this. It looks like a space where everybody is very confident and comfortable in their own skin. A place where diversity is so accepted and free that people are literally able to express their thoughts openly. They're able to express differences and not see them as deficiencies. Mm-hmm. I would love a world where we are literally able to embrace the uniqueness of one another, not as something that is a problem, but as something that is a gift. And I would love for people to love themselves just as they are. I would actually love for there to be fewer weight loss programs. I would love for there to be fewer people who are so focused on having six packs and abs. I would love for there to be a world where makeup is not necessary. I would love for there to be that kind of world because I would love for people to live in their authentic truth. Yes. Okay. That's a hard act to follow. Right. So, uh, so <laughs> exactly. You literally said everything I was going to say. Uh, let's see if I can add on. <laughs> I would like to add. Uh, I wish credit would go away. <laughs> yeah. I wish. I guess I'm talking more of monetary things. We shouldn't have to pay for school, education, and we're in debt after that. That's something that I feel like is tangible we can make that happen mm. so uh, uh and uh I, I wish they released all the cures because it's a cure for everything uh but exactly they're, they're making money off of that mm-hmm. uh, the pharmaceutical companies uh, yeah of course yeah, no pharmaceutical, exactly. yep. um, and also the jail system i think they can uh, i guess you know, my personal my, my is something that we can actually truly accomplish um mm-hmm. with those with those things um, right yeah. How about you, Boomer? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Boomer for 
that would be a person. Yes, yeah, most definitely. Okay, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, so, describe your Blackwood Joy in one word. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you all don't have to speak at one time. <laughs> What is your what what is one word that describes your joy? <laughs> boomer. Cuz I know boomer I know boomer has to. <laughs> I know he has a many of them. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. How about you? How about you, Byron? Ah, I love. You know, that's my favorite word. Hey, how about you? How, how about you, Devin? Yeah, I just go with happiness. I mean, that's the basis. That's the basis mm. of everything, anyway. Happiness. Well, we all want to be happy. So. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. So, um, Boomer, let everybody know where they can find you. Um, if you are in need of a care or anything else, me on Facebook at Boomer Wood. You can also email me at thriveinvest.org. You can also call my work cell phone, 404-908-8283. Awesome. And Devin, let her, uh, tell everybody about uh, Frenergy and where they can find it and what you're going to be up to. Uh, Frenergy is uh, my web series. Uh, 
just got done with season one. Uh, you can find the first three episodes for free on YouTube. Just put in front of G. Um, and if you want to watch the rest of the season along with all of our incredible other content, mm-hmm. you can subscribe at aconnectiontv.com and it's $7.99 a month to subscribe. It's like the Black Netflix. Um, and you can follow the page of Friend of the Series on, um, on Instagram or on, um, on YouTube. I mean, I'm sorry, on uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. And also, you can follow me on Instagram at master underscore Devin. Excellent. And... Byron Jamal, how can we find? How can we keep in touch with you and keep up with you? Absolutely, find me easily. I'm at byronjamal.com and at Byron Jamal on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, upcoming book: Successful Love Navigating Six Phases of Love's Journey. Yes. Find out how to have successful love at any phase of your life. Mm-hmm. How to really master that thing so that you can. Just in this phase with great success. Awesome. I, I need that book. I, I'm definitely going to get that book. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, <laughs> yes. So thank you guys again so much for coming on the show. I hope you guys had a good time. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so I want to leave you guys with this. Um, when you embrace your light, your rays reach further. Oh, you couldn't hear me? Oh, that's it. When you embrace your light, your rays reach further. You still can't hear me. Uh, oh, can you hear me now? Can, oh, you can't hear me? <laughs> I can hear everybody. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you. I said, um, when you embrace your light, your rays reach farther. So thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Black Boy Joy Show. Be blessed and be amazing. You guys say bye. Bye. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That part right there. <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> bye.